Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you. By your blood, you saved us. By your power, you raised us. Father, we thank you for this wonderful night of healing. And as we look to your word and as we talk about your blood this evening, I thank you that as we put an emphasis on the covenant, healing power always flows. Father, I believe that people can even be healed in their seats if they would just reach out by faith and take what has been purchased for them. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your, that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you and your word. We thank you, Father, for the anointing that makes it easy to deliver and easy to understand. We give you praise, Father. Holy Spirit, I'm going to deliver the word, and this is your opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Great privilege, Pastor Nancy has given me to share with you. And uh, the first of the year, which was a Wednesday last week, I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk to my congregation about? And I heard the Holy Spirit in my heart say, when Noah came into a new phase, a new season, got off the boat, what's the first thing he did? And I had to look that up. And the Bible says that he, he gave an offering to the Lord with the shedding of blood. It wasn't two by twos that they came in. If you look at the Bible, two by two was for the unclean animals, but the clean animals came in sevens because some of those clean animals were sacrificed as soon as he got off the boat. And then he said, and what did, because, uh, you know, on the first service of the year, we want to consecrate our lives to the Lord afresh. And, and he said to me, what did, uh, what did Solomon do when he consecrated the temple? If you study the Bible, there was a whole lot of blood that was shed. God seems to like to renew and talk about the covenant of blood at seasons of new beginnings and at seasons of dedication. And he said, I want you to teach your congregation. I used to teach it years ago. I haven't taught it in quite some time, but he said, I want you to teach them about the blood covenant. I've done much study over the years. I had to pull out my notes and refresh myself. But in God's wonderful way, even though we may have studied something and taught it in the past, there's always fresh revelation that comes if we'll study it again. And so fresh nuggets started to rise up in my heart. We shared that with our congregation. And then lo and behold, we come and we have the master teacher on the blood covenant in the body of Christ, Brother Copeland, who is so skillful in every subject virtually. But here he is teaching on, on what he is most known for, which is the blood covenant. I thought that was, so I was just gleaning and just receiving and just saying, my goodness, my goodness. And then uh, when pastor asked me to minister uh, and I went back to the room and I started to pray and, uh, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me on something, which I, which was a little bit, um, I, I didn't know it. And so this was new to me uh, in terms of the connection. And he said to me, he said, I said, Lord, what to minister on? And he said, well, what was the theme this week? And the theme was intimacy with God, really knowing him, not just knowing the process and the principles, but knowing him. Amen. That spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Yes, the word. Yes, the principles of faith. But if you don't know him, it's, it's, you've missed the train. And he said, now what does that uh, in the Old Testament, because we we're in the New Testament, obviously, but in the Old Testament, the place where he dwelt was the Holy of Holies. That was the place of his manifested presence. Now we have that because of the new covenant. 
But in the Old Testament, they, they would feel the presence of God, yes, you know, in the, in, in, the, in the outer court to a measure and in the inner court to a measure. But they really wanted to have intimacy with God. You had to be called a high priest and you had to go in. But what did that priest do? If you study it, I won't read it for sake of time, but Leviticus chapter 16, if you study it, he did two things when he went into the holiest place where God dwelt. The first thing he did is he brought incense, which is worship. And pastor was talking and teaching about worship and spending time with God and worshiping him. That's scriptural. And the second thing he did is he would take the blood sacrifice and he would put it on his finger and he would sprinkle seven times the mercy seat. So really, if you're going to have ultimate intimacy with God, if you just look at it from the old covenant even, you have to understand covenant or you'll never really understand intimacy. And isn't it wonderful, the Holy Ghost and his master orchestration, uh, the Holy Ghost, knowing Pastor Nancy was going to teach on that subject of intimacy and knowing him, had Brother Copeland come and teach on the blood because really you can't have intimacy if you don't understand blood. You can't, if you don't understand covenant, you'll never really understand who you are in Christ and you'll never really be able to engage the presence of God the way you want to. And so I felt the Holy Ghost say these words, full circle, son. It started on that. I said, Lord, I can't do that. Brother Copeland is the master. I'm, <laughs> he is PhD level. I'm kindergarten level. But I just felt him say, just, just, just sum it up by talking about the blood again, because the blood of the covenant is really what causes us to have that intimacy. Yeah. Amen. You know, David, so I believe for this conference, there's been a theme. The Holy Ghost has been endeavoring to communicate. Amen. And tonight specifically being a healing service. Do you remember what the Bible says uh, in the book of John chapter three, verse 14, for as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believes him should not perish, but have eternal life. What was Moses doing? He was putting up a type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. And what was the result? Those that were snake bit that those that had been attacked of the devil with sickness, because that's what snakes represent. Those that had sickness and disease and problems, if they looked upon the type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. In other words, if they turned their attention to blood covenant, if they turned their attention to the price paid, now that was a, that was a prophecy because Jesus hadn't come yet. But he became that snake. The Bible says he became sin for us. He didn't just take our sin, he became our sin. And he turned into that ugly creature that, that, that God had to turn away from him and say, I can't even look at you, you're so ugly. Because sin, our sin, our sickness, our perversion marred him so much that God had to turn away. And all the judgment of God, which in the Old Testament is, symbol, is symbolized by brass, if you study Old Testament theology. And that's why he said, put a brass, put a serpent on a brass pole. It spoke of the judgment being poured out on that snake because it was a prophecy that Jesus would also also go upon a tree and the judgment would be poured upon him and his precious blood would be shed so that those that are snake bit, those that are in sin and sickness and poverty and lack and all host of darkness and hell, if they would look upon the blood, they would be healed. So I feel like it may not be a typical healing sermon tonight, but if you will just put your attention onto the blood, I'm telling you, something will start to work in your body. Your faith will start to soar on wings as eagle and you'll be able to take it no matter what you're going through. So for our conference for tonight's healing service, but in general, David, David was faced with a monster. Yeah. And if you study it, I won't for sake of time, but if you study it there in 1 Samuel 17, they say to him, uh, have you seen him? What does he say? 
His response was not, I'm impressed with my enemy. And the most dangerous thing you can do is be impressed with your sickness. Be impressed and go get all the medical journals. That's the worst possible thing you could do. And try to educate yourself so you're smarter than the doctor, so that you're checking up if they're giving you the right. I'm telling you, that's what, that's what the world does. He was not impressed with Goliath, with his armament, with his height, with his, with his abilities. From a youth, he was the giant, he was the warrior. What did he say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What did David look at? He did not look at the height and at the coat chain mail and all these things. Listen, he said, he ain't circumcised, boys. They're all saying, did you see how big he was? And he said, I don't look at that stuff. I look, is he covenant boy? Because if he's not a covenant boy, I got him. He don't know it yet. You guys don't know it yet. So when I face a giant in my life, no matter what that giant is, don't be impressed with his weaponry. Don't be impressed with the bigness, with the atmosphere, with the turmoil. Don't be impressed with it. Don't be moved by that. You look at your circumstances through the eyeglasses of covenant. I have a covenant and you don't. That means I win and you don't. Now, we shouted that, but do we really, really believe it though? It'll help you believe it if you really understand what covenant is. And of course, like I said, Brother Copeland being the master teacher, I'm just sharing some nuggets and no way am I attempting to overshadow his magnificent teaching. I just want to share some nuggets that the Lord dropped in my heart last week when I shared this with my congregation. So if you would please turn uh, quickly, I want to share some scripture, just one or two scriptures from the Old Testament and then one or two from the New Testament to show you both sides of the covenant and then talk about how we apply this ourselves. Because if you don't know how to apply it, it won't work properly for you. Now, Genesis, uh, the, Genesis 15, as you're turning there, let me just say this. And, and this is a simple revelation, but it's powerful. Hebrews 6.13, you don't look it up, but just for sake of notes. Hebrews 6.13, God says, I swore by myself because there was no one else I could swear by because there's no one greater than God. The reason he says he swore by himself is because he cut covenant with himself. He couldn't swear by you because he didn't cut covenant with you. People are erroneous in their doctrine when they say God cut covenant with me. No, he didn't. God did not cut covenant with you. God cut covenant with Jesus and you entered into the benefits of the covenant through Jesus because if he cut covenant with you, because you fail and you sin and you've missed it, it would mean that the curses of the covenant would have to come upon you and you'd be damned. Thank God he didn't cut covenant with me. Thank God he didn't cut covenant with any of us because we're not perfect enough. But Jesus was the, was the prince of heaven that he cut covenant with who was perfect. That's why he said, I swore by myself because I cut covenant with myself. God was looking for a man to cut a covenant with and he couldn't find one because every man has sinned. God the father represented divinity and Jesus the son represented humanity. That's why Jesus had to come into the earth in a physical form, born of a woman, yet by the supernatural implantation of God so his blood from the father's line would not be tainted. But he had to live a perfect life so he was fully God and fully man and he, and he satisfied God's justice. His blood was pure, which would, uh, would allow it legally to cleanse your, your sin. Couldn't happen if his blood was impure. But he also had to be a physical man to take your place. So he could, an angel couldn't do it. He couldn't come in his divinity. He had to empty himself of his divinity and walk as a man, but with perfect blood. 
And God was looking for a man and he couldn't find one. And all of a sudden we see God come to the great man Abraham. Grandpa, grandpa, grandpappy Abraham. Grand, 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 grandpa Abraham. If anybody was going to qualify, it was Abraham. And if you look at this story, he doesn't even qualify himself. Because if God cut it with Abraham, then uh, the covenant would not be sure. Because undoubtedly, Abraham is going to miss it at some point. If he don't miss it, Isaac's going to miss it. If he don't miss it, Jacob's going to miss it. If they don't miss it, the 12 sons are going to miss it. And if none of them miss it, which of course we all miss it, somebody down the road is going to miss it. And as soon as they miss it, the curse of the covenant comes into action. So God can't even cut the preliminary covenant, the old covenant. He can't even cut that with a human because it would, it would be undone. He has to even cut the old covenant with his own son as a foreshadowing prophecy that the new covenant would also be cut with his son. The difference is the old covenant was by goats and bulls blood and the new covenant was by his blood. But God from the beginning cut with his own son. I'll get, I'll get to the, the, the meat of it in a second, but look over there in Genesis chapter 15 and verse seven. And he said unto him, I am the Lord, he's speaking to Abraham, that brought thee out out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? What's he saying? God says, I'm going to give you the land. And he says, how do I know you're good to your word? I'm going to give you the land, but how do I know it? Basically, short version is, I'm going to cut covenant with you. That's right. That's how we know that we're healed. Because he cut covenant with Jesus. That is, we have entered in through. He didn't know he could take God at his word because he wasn't in covenant with them yet. But when you're in covenant with somebody, you can take them at their word. If you're in covenant with Jesus, you can take him at his word. All you have to do is find it in the word. If you understand covenant and you dare find it in the word, the the battle's over. Because if you truly understand this, you can take him at his word. (laughs) It's amazing. How will, I, how will I know you're good to your word? How will I know I'll inherit it? And then he goes down, verse nine. And he said unto him, take me a heifer of three years old and a she goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Why? Because these animals' purpose in life was to be sacrificed and that's why they're three years old. Jesus' purpose in life was to be sacrificed and that's why he had three years of ministry. He was the lamb three years into his purpose. Do you understand? And he took them, all these, and divided them in the midst like, like, like uh, Brother Copeland taught us, they, they would cut from the back of the head down. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just decapitating. They would slice them and then they would separate the parts. He took the, all of these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other, but the birds he divided not. And then you see the fowls come down upon the carcass and Abram had to drive them away. You see the blood is spilt. Now the birds are trying to mess with this. This is a very beautiful type and foreshadow of the life of Jesus. Abraham was responsible for making sure that he watched over and protected this covenant, this covenant ceremony so that it would be fulfilled and unmolested. Jesus had to be vigilant and watch over his covenant ceremony and not quit halfway through. He had to make sure that he fulfilled the full will of God on that cross and that he didn't call 12 legions of angels when he could. Do you understand? Then we see here, verse 12, and the sun was going down and a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Didn't Jesus die? That deep sleep speaking of death. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Didn't Jesus go down to the place of horrors? Down to hell to taste death for me? 
And he said unto him, Abraham, know of a surety. And he goes on, uh, drop down. He just, he gives him the words of the covenant. And now go down to verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. God cut a covenant with his son, Abraham. But I want you to notice, let me, let me, I, gotta, I gotta try to explain this. And I mean, I could read you what the commentaries say and everything, but to make it simple and to make it more layman so I don't lose you. Let me try to explain very simply. When he cut those animals, and there's multiple animals, and they lay them apart there, and there was a path of blood between those animals. Now, Abraham was supposed to, and a lot of people don't understand this, so listen closely. Abraham was supposed to walk through those animals there. His feet were supposed to be covered in blood. And as they walked, they were, he was supposed to proclaim the curses of the covenant that would come upon him if he broke the covenant. Now, what was the curse? Death. A lot of people don't understand this. When they would walk through those animals, they are looking at the curse of the covenant. They are looking at death. They are looking at, if I break the covenant, be it unto me as it has been done unto these animals. If I violate this covenant, let me, let the curse of the covenant come upon me, that I would die like these animals have died, that my blood would be shed like these animals' blood has been shed. People don't understand that he was supposed to walk through a blood trail. Not just thinking about the blessings of the covenant, but if you study theology, proclaiming the curses of the covenant of what would happen to him, death would come upon him should he violate this holy action. (laughs) It's an amazing thought. But I want you to notice that Abraham did not walk through the pieces. The first first covenant cut, I mean, yes, there was an Adamic covenant and there was an Oahic covenant, but this is the third covenant listed in the Bible in terms of the Abrahamic covenant. But God didn't come down this way with the other, with Abraham and Noah, with, with Adam and Noah. This is a special moment in history. God himself is coming down to cut covenant. That's why he's the grandfather of our faith. That's why Noah is not called the grandfather of your faith because God cut covenant with Abraham. But really he cut covenant with the burning lamp and the the smoking furnace because it was that individual that walked through the pieces. Now this is the glory of the gospel. God himself would take upon himself the curse of the covenant. This is the mystery. This is the glory of it. God himself would come to earth and while Abram's sleeping, he knows he can't cut it with Abram because Abraham will fail. The covenant will be undone. But God himself, Jesus the Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, walked through a blood trail and pronounced upon himself the curses of the covenant. If they break it, I do this as their substitute. I do this as Pastor Edwin's on his behalf. If he should break it, let the curse of death not come upon him, but let it come upon me. He knows that he can't break it, but he knows that Abraham is surely going to break it. And Jesus walked through a blood trail. This is an amazing thought. 
He's walking through a blood trail. He appeared as a smoking furnace and a glowing lamp, but he walks through a trail and he is pronouncing the curses of the covenant on himself if humanity fails, knowing humanity will fail. Why? Because it's prophecy. He is saying, I walk through the blood of these animals. but I'm pronouncing the curses on myself if they break it. If the, if the Jewish nation breaks it, then a price has to be paid and I will come back and I will pay the price for them. But when I come, it won't be goats and bulls and pigeon doves, pigeons and turtle doves. It's going to be my precious blood that I will walk through the trail of in the future. But for the moment, you understand? Are you seeing this? For the moment, I cut covenant with my father and Abraham and all the Jews, you can enter into this covenant, but it's a lesser covenant with lesser promises because it's in the blood of animals, but it's still cut between me and the father because I won't break it. And when you break it, which you definitely are going to break it, your curse and your punishment and the death resulting in your disobedience will now come upon me instead of you. It's an amazing thought. He was taking our place in Genesis 15. And then, of course, years later in the fullness of time, he comes back as the perfect lamb born of a virgin with pure blood, living a sinless life. And he gives himself to the, to the executioners. He didn't die. They didn't kill him. He gave his life. He laid it down and they split him open like those animals and blood flowed. And he walked through his own trail of blood. My God saying, father, I cut this with you. Like I cut the first one with you. But the difference, Father, is that before it was animals, so it was lesser. But now it is with my own blood. Now it is an unbreakable, eternal, and glorious covenant for eternity. Now they, not just the Jew, but any human being that wills can enter in through the covenant of my blood and they will come into covenant with you. My God. I don't know, it's an amazing thought to me. It's such a vast uh, subject that hurts the brain almost. You need revelation by the Holy Ghost to really catch this because it's so powerful and it's so vast. But I'm just trying to share with you the highlights that when he walked through there, he was calling for his own death. He knew it was coming. Oh my God, and he did it for me. And under a lesser covenant, because remember years later, Moses takes the blood of an animal and puts it on the lintel and doorpost and the destroyer and the plague and, the, and that death spirit couldn't touch it. So on a lesser covenant with the blood of animals, just the foreshadow of Jesus held demons at bay. Held plague at bay. The lesser held sickness at bay. The lesser when they rose up out of Egypt Not one feeble, the lesser healed them. It would be a crying shame for a believer today to be sick if you've got something greater than the lesser. I've got the greater. If the blood of the animal that the burning lamp walked through, if the Jews entering into that covenant could be not feeble 
and the son of the living God's own blood was shed at Calvary and he cut covenant with his son and I get to enter and receive all the benefits by coming. How is it that I could be sick? How is it possible? You see, it's possible because people don't understand what they've got. They don't understand what's been purchased. <laughs> Healing lines should only, now listen, we're not all there yet, so we'll, we'll do it. But ideally, healing lines should just be for sinners. It's sinners that don't understand this. It's sinners that need the healing power to point them to Jesus. A saint who understands covenant should never be sick. I know those are mighty, great, glorious words and the living out of them is a little bit more complicated, but I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible because the problem is we complicate everything too much. The simple thing is God cut covenant with his son. And he did it for me. Oh my. So Jesus comes back years later to fulfill what he had called for. He called for the curse to come upon him if the Jews disobeyed. They disobeyed. A price has to be paid in blood. He comes back and fulfills what he called. Do you hear that? And he gives himself. And then because it's his blood and it's not an animal's blood, three things happen. What's the result of that covenant that he cut? Theologically, it was a perfect covenant, it was an eternal covenant, and it was a free covenant. Unlike the Old Testament, it was a perfect covenant because it could never be broken. Do you understand? (laughs) It was an eternal covenant because unlike the Old Covenant that had to be done every year, once a year on the Day of Atonement, it never has to be done again. It is done once for eternity. It is unbroken, it is eternal, and unlike the Old Testament, it is free. They had to work for it. They had to try to earn certain things with God. And I'm not saying that we don't live right because we do, but this covenant is given to us in freedom. We don't have to do works to earn it. It's an eternal covenant that can never be broken. It's a perfect covenant. And a, and a perfect that can't be broken, an eternal that doesn't need to be repeated, and a free covenant that does not require your good deeds. Hallelujah. And it's mine. Hey. I'm telling you. This is why Christians need to understand God doesn't turn away from you because you do a mistake, because it wasn't based on you to begin with, it wasn't based on your perfection. It was based on his perfection. So when you make a mistake, you just simply turn to the blood and say, wash me. That's why this greasy grace doctrine is so demonic. Because what they're trying to say is that you can't sin anymore. And it's dangerous. Because it's a, it's a turning away from that covenant. And make a very simple statement. Everything given to by God is a gift that you have to receive by faith. Has the blood of Jesus been shed for all the sins you'll ever commit? Yes. But have you received forgiveness by faith for all the sins you'll ever commit? No. I've received forgiveness when I repent. So these false teachers in the body of Christ that are talking about, you can do whatever you want because the blood of Jesus has washed you anyway and you don't need to repent. And 1 John 1, 7 9 is not written to the church. Those are doctrines of demons. That is not the Bible. That is not the Bible. Because yes, while the price has been paid, Levi, for everything you'll ever do, you can't receive that except you confess and receive that gift by faith. Do you understand? 
Praise God. So that is why if you understand it's not based on my perfection, that doesn't give me license to sin. It's not based on my perfection because when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. When I confess my sin, that blood covenant that I'm in instantly takes care of me. That means I don't have to be condemned. I don't have to be sin conscious. I don't let, have to let the past hold me back because it wasn't based on me. It was based on Jesus. And if I'm in Jesus, I'm safe. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's a powerful thought. Glory. Remember we said the priest sprinkled seven times? Well, Jesus shed his blood seven times. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was there, and for your mental torment, he bled. He went there to Caiaphas' house, and the Bible says, if you study in Isaiah chapter 50, he turned his face to the smiters and the ones that plucked out the beard. You take out one little hair, it makes your eyes water. Jesus turned his face and they beat him and they plucked out his beard and blood flowed. He did it in his, in his, from his mind for my mental freedom and healing. He did it from his face because theologically your face, your face is, the Bible says it shines. The righteousness of God shines. He bled from his face for my image, for my righteousness, that I would become the righteousness in him because of his face that bled for me so my face could shine. His face bled so my face could shine. Then they put a crown of thorns on his head and that thorn was that curse because in Genesis it talks about that as a result of the curse, thorns and thistles came up. That's why we don't eat spring mixed salad because it's filled with the curse. Only romaine and iceberg and spinach. You don't want to eat thorns and thistles, you're eating the curse. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding you but they put that crown of thorns on his head and he took my curse with the shedding of blood. They whipped his back until it was open like a, like a field, the Bible said, that has been plowed so that my physical sickness could be healed. They, they, put, thorn, uh, they put nails in his hands so that what I do, my work for God, Hallelujah. could be made pure. Hallelujah. They did his feet so that my walk life with God would be sanctified and set apart. And then as the first Adam was put into a deep sleep and God opened his side by his rib and pulled out his bride. Jesus, while he was dead on that cross, the second Adam fell asleep and they pierced his side and blood and water flowed. Why? Because from his side, from his rib area, birthed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it. I don't have time. I can prove it to you from Leviticus 14. Why there had to be blood and water because the church's birth, if you look at the symbolism of Leviticus 14, it was birthed with blood and water. And, and just as the second Adam slept, he opened up his side and pulled out his bride and the blood flowing birthed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seven sheddings of blood because he is the high priest. Last verse of, of, of Hebrews 6, he's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. If the high priest had to sprinkle seven times, Jesus shed his blood seven times. He's a perfect sacrifice. I'm trying to help you to understand that you don't have covenant with God because you're all that. And you don't lose covenant with God because you've done all that. It was, it was birthed in the perfection of the burning lamp and then in the reality of the Son of God who walked the earth in person. <laughs> this, you meditate on this and you'll get healed. Quickly have a look with me in the book of Hebrews. Can you look there in Hebrews chapter 9? You're not too bored, are you? Because I know it can be a subject that can be a little bit 
it's for deeper people that want more deep. Praise God. Hallelujah. I thank God for his holy blood. My God, he's so good. Hebrews chapter nine. I just want to give you a few things that that blood covenant provided for you. Number one is Hebrews nine, verse 12. And this is not an exhaustive list. I'm just hitting the highlights. It's a vast subject. Neither by the blood, verse 12 of Hebrews 9, of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. It's obvious, but the blood provided my eternal redemption. The blood provided salvation for me. Woo, glory. The book of Revelations chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. My God. One more. Just too good to pass up. Revelations chapter 5, verse 9. And they sung, you know, in heaven you're going to sing about the blood like you do here. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They are gonna sing, we are going to sing for eternity about the blood because it is the covenant of God. How do we have everything that we have, Pastor Ruby? Because Jesus said yes. And I enter in, my yes enters in through his yes. Thank God he said yes. Praise God. Number two, because of his blood, we have not just salvation, but we have the Holy Ghost. I know some of this is basic, but it's a vast subject, so I'm just hitting some very quick highlights. So this is in the book of um, Hebrews. Praise the Lord. I don't know. I don't know where I put that. Glory to God. Okay, let's, uh, let's look at this then. Uh, Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, verse 14. As you're looking at that, let me tell you, you know there's seven covenants. The Adamic, the Noahic, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, and the Davidic were the five of the old. And then the new covenant that is in the New Testament. And then the everlasting covenant, which is beyond this dispensation for eternity. Seven covenants in the Bible. Now you heard Brother Copeland say that each covenant has promises terms and conditions. In other words, if you break the covenant, there's conditions there. The blood has to be shed and then there are seals that seal the covenant. I'm not getting into all the seals, but I'm just saying for, to just help you understand the seal of the Adamic covenant, for example, won't get into explanations why, was the tree of life. The seal of the Noahic covenant was the rainbow. The seal of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision. The seal of the Mosaic covenant was the Sabbath. The seal of the Davidic covenant was praise. And the seal of our covenant, which they didn't have, is the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 1.14, which is, let's look at verse 13. In whom you also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom after, also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The promise of the seal which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now I want you to think about this. The new covenant was sealed by the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And he is called an earnest or another translation says a down payment or a guarantee. 
Now, if the Holy Ghost and, and, and all his magnificence and how much we lean on him and how he's our everything, if the Holy Ghost in this sixth covenant called the new covenant in my blood, Jesus said, if the Holy Ghost in this covenant is just the down payment, if the third person of the Trinity in this current covenant is just the down payment, when you put a down payment, it's not the whole thing, buddy. If he's just the earnest and the guarantee and the down payment that I may purchase possession, can you imagine what the eternal covenant is going to be like? If God himself is the guarantee of this covenant in the person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost, can you imagine what's coming? You think we got a good now. There's an eternal covenant that has not started yet where we'll be with him forever. So we've got the inheritance. We've got the, we've got the uh, earnest down payment as a guarantee of this covenant. So what did this covenant do? Gave us eternal redemption. What did this covenant do? Give us the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So sad so many Christians don't have the Holy Ghost. They're missing out on their down payment. <laughs> They're facing the bank trying to buy their house without a down payment. They're facing life and the devil without a down payment. I don't want to face something without a down payment when I've got the down payment at my disposal. Number three, Hebrews chapter eight. When my wife says, oh my God, that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure. Is that okay, honey? All right. Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10. For this, are you ready? For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Did you see that? The word of God, not as legalism, but written by the Holy Ghost in our hearts. What is this referring to? The revelation of the word of God. I have a right to it because of my covenant. Man shall not live by bread alone, Luke 4, 4, but by every word. What's that word, word? It's not logos. It's the word rhema. By every rhema that proceeds of the mouth of God. That means you need rhema every day like you eat bread. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That's not logos. That's the word rhema. Faith comes by hearing the rhema word. That's why people can read the Bible and die of cancer. Because they're reading the logos on paper, but the spirit has never, the word rhema means to utter, to speak. It also means to pour. The Holy Ghost has never spoken to them what that's really talking about. It's never become alive and quickened inside of them. He's never poured revelation knowledge into them. But when the logos is poured into you, it becomes rhema. And it's the action of the Holy Ghost that takes a written word and makes it a revealed word, an alive word, a quickened word, an activated word. And faith is the result of the rhema word. And you need faith for everything. So thank God for the Holy Ghost because of the blood. He allows that word to be written inside us. He quickens it to us with rhema by the spirit because of the blood. It's all because of the blood. Everything's because of the blood. What about chapter 9, verse 12? Hebrews 9, verse 12, number 4. The blood has caused us to enter into his presence. 
Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Now we can use that. Yes, it's for our salvation. But did you notice he entered in to the holy place by his own blood? What does Hebrews 4, 16 say? That we come to the throne of grace boldly. We come into, where's his throne? Is where he sits. If you can enter by his throne, you're obviously going to where he is. His presence is in his throne. And it says we come boldly unto the throne of grace. So that blood covenant has caused me to be saved, has caused me to be filled with the Holy Ghost has caused me to have the revelation of the word, has caused me to have access to his presence on a daily basis. Number five. It's only seven. Number five. Oh, this is what I think this is probably my favorite. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's pretty darn hot. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a full, true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Sprinkled with what? With the blood. And our bodies washed with pure water. Purged your conscience from dead works. <laughs> this is an amazing statement that few Christians truly understand. It's not, really if you studied in the Greek where it says conscience, if you study the original, it means to be conscious of. The blood of, understanding your covenant and who you are in Christ will actually cause you no longer to be even conscious of what you've done. Past dead works. And if you're constantly thinking about sin, maybe that you've done, you're more likely to repeat it. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the Bible says the blood will actually cleanse and purge what I'm even conscious of. I'm not supposed to have memories of my past. My physical brain may remember, but it's not supposed to stick to me. My brother and sister, if you've made mistakes, but you're under the blood, you're in the covenant of God cut by the blood of Jesus. You have a right to say, no, 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 no. The blood has not just cleansed my sin. It's gone to the very root. It's gone to the source and it has taken my very consciousness of failure away from me. And I, it's gonna, I'm not even thinking about it anymore. The blood has purged me of dead works. Not only am, it's, is it over in the past, but I'm not going to do it again in the future. This is the answer to condemnation. <laughs> the answer to condemnation is not, you can't ever sin again, so there's no point repenting. The answer to condemnation is, the blood of Jesus, when you turn to it, removes the very consciousness and the memory and takes the desire out of you to even want to sin. The power of the blood can remove a desire for sin. That's why alcoholics, when they get under the blood... They don't say 20 years later, hi, my name's Steve, and I'm an alcoholic, and I'm hanging on by the white of my fingernails. I haven't fallen off the wagon, but it could happen any day because I'm hanging on. No, no, I don't have to hang on. Jesus white-knuckled it for me so that I don't have to white-knuckle it anymore. You see, this is the world versus us, Brother Levi. 
They are hanging on by the power of their will. And I am standing in victory because of the blood of Jesus. His blood has taken the very desire of it out. My God. If you study purge your conscience from dead works, it will flip your wig if you've got one. It doesn't just mean a forgetting of what's gone. It means taking the desire out of what is to come. It means complete freedom and to live pure and right before God. This is because of your big brother, Jesus. Number six, Isaiah, uh, Hebrews chapter nine and verse 15. For this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. Now watch this phrase. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Remember what Ephesians 1, I believe it's verse 18 says. The eyes of our understanding would be enlightened that we would know. The hope of his calling and the riches of the inheritance of the saints. I have been given an inheritance. Pastor Noel. And according to this verse, the blood and my constant affection for it, my thinking about it, my honoring it, my magnifying it, my singing about it, my confessing it. I'm aware of my covenant every day, not just when I take communion at church. If I stay conscious of it, not only am I saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and have revelation of the word, not only do I have his presence and a sin-free life, but if I stay conscious of that covenant, the inheritance that is mine will start to operate more in my life. What he's given me as an inheritance. Because it says very clearly here that because of this covenant, you receive this inheritance. You walk in this inheritance. And the last one, which is a lot of people overlook because it's not that, it's not that obvious, but it's very precious. It's in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 9. To the casual eye, it doesn't look like it's saying anything, but if you study it, you'll be amazed. 8, 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not. What God is saying here, they broke my covenant, I didn't regard them. But now you keep the covenant and all of a sudden God's going to regard you. Now that so you say, oh, that's just, yeah, he regards me, looks at me. But if you really study what it means, the word regard in the Greek language means to show interest in, to show concern for, and to take care of. It means not to neglect, not to make light of, and not to be careless. It really means God looks at you. Now I know he looks at me because I'm born again. But I'm telling you, you can claim this part of the covenant. Right. Father, your word says if I keep the covenant, you'll regard me. That's right. That means you're going to take care of me. That means you're not going to be thoughtless or careless for what I'm going through. Because when they broke the covenant, you did not regard them. But when I keep the covenant, you regard me. Now, people say, Jehovah Jireh, my provider is grace is sufficient for me. Dun, 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 dun. You know that 1970s Maranatha song? It's not Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's not even what the word means. The word Jireh means God sees. That's when the ram was provided, remember? When, when he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. And the Bible, he called him Jehovah Jireh because it means Jehovah, the one that sees the need and provides. 
But before he provides, he sees your need. I'm telling you, there's something deep about this that I'm still trying to extract revelation from. But the God that regards me sees me. He sees me. He sees what nobody else sees. He sees my shortcomings. He sees my fears. He sees this is a far more intimate connotation in the Greek than just he gives you an inheritance. I could say to my boys, Quinn, he's 14. There's fruit in the fridge. Go make it for yourself. See, that's part of his, that's part of his, uh, what I provided for him. But there's a difference between saying, go make it yourself. There's food there. Yes, that's part of his inheritance, so to speak. Right? But what about when I go to the fridge and I pull it out and I make it for him and I give it to him and I help him partake of it? See, that's a father, not just a provider. God has provided things for us, but God the Father regards us. God the Father looks at me. He sees my needs and he comes to my aid. I'm telling you, you got to look at God like he's a father. Because the blood covenant has provided a way for God to regard you. I tell God that. I say, Father, I thank you that you regard me today. You are watching over me. You are looking at me. And you love me. Not because I'm so great. But because he that I have entered through is so great. And because that covenant is eternal, unbreakable, free glorious. It's for eternity. For all eternity, I can never be lost if I just stay in his blood. I'm telling you, it's a powerful revelation. So if you meditate on his covenant more, you'll see one, you got saved. Two, you got the Holy Ghost. Three, you got revelation of the word. Four, you have access to his presence. Five, you have access to be free from sin. Six, you have your inheritance. And seven, you have a watchful father. And now as I close, this is the best part. This is is the best part. Hebrews 9, 17. I'm telling you, my brother and my sister, the brother Copeland is right when he says most believers do not understand the covenant. If you truly meditate on this and get it part of your DNA, you won't be sick. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You won't need hands aid on you all the time because you'll understand what you have access to through his blood. Hebrews chapter nine. Are you still with me? You're okay. Nine seventeen. For let's look at verse sixteen. For where a testament covenant—that's the word covenant—is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Do you hear this? When Jesus was on the earth, his blood had no power. That's why when he sent the 70 out, he said, use my name. Only the name had power. But yes, we still have the name. We still use the name. But after he died and rose again, presented it to the Father, placed it on the mercy seat in the tabernacle of heaven, and God accepted that holy covenant. That covenant was ratified. The New Testament was sealed. And because of that blood, this covenant now has force. Somebody invited me to a haunted house some time ago as a believer. I don't know what the deal was, but there was a lot of crazy stuff. Lights going on and off, temperature dropping 30 degrees in less than a second, scratching in the walls, things moving on their own, plus other stuff, which I won't get into because there's children here. 
but the, this demon was violent against the person in a very traumatic way. And so they said, they were at my church. And then after the devil got cast out, then they got offended and left the church. But anyway, that's another story. So, <laughs> pastor, would you please come? And I went there and that thing started to manifest. And I'm telling you, that spirit of fear was so powerful and so strong. The hairs go up in the back of my neck and I'm doing everything that Dr. Summerlin and Dad Hagen taught me. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm binding, I'm loosening, I'm forbidding, I'm praising, I'm jumping, I'm bucking, shouting, snorting. I'm doing everything I know to do. And that thing was in the room and would not leave and was mocking me. And the things are moving in the house and it's like what you'd see on television in a horror movie. I can feel the fear and I've used the name. I've released the angels. I've called on everybody but Mary, the mother of Jesus herself. Because you can't call on her because that's not what we believe. But I'm getting desperate. I don't know. This ain't working. Where's a rosary? Give me something because this is not working. I've done everything that I know to do and that thing is mocking me. And so finally I went quiet even though I felt afraid. The lady is shaking with fear and, and, and she says, I thought you were supposed to help me. I said, shut up woman. I don't need you telling me that right now. I'm stressed enough as it is. So I just, I stopped all my hollering and I just started going, Moshtakatiopa. I said, oh God, in my heart. I didn't want her to see it. Oh God, oh God, the devil is here and I don't know what to do. Everything you told me to do don't work, God, it don't work. Maybe it works for somebody else, but it ain't working for me. What do I do, Lord? And I heard the Holy Ghost, he is so faithful, Pastor Edwin. And I heard him say, talk about the blood. And Pastor Angelus, God is my witness. As soon as I heard that, I started saying, I say the blood of Jesus. I say the blood of Jesus. And that thing flew through the window. All those devils left that house instantaneously. The atmosphere returned to normal. The, we had the, the, the presence of God showed up. We're rejoicing, dancing, shouting. She calls me an hour later, Pastor. Something weird's happening. I said, oh God, don't tell me you invited it back that quickly. <laughs> she said, I came out to get in my car and my tires, there's something wrong with my tires. It looks like something has gnawed upon them. So I took him to the mechanic and he put it up on the hoist and he called her in from the waiting area. He said, I've been a mechanic for 30 years and I have a weird question that I've never had to ask anybody. Why are you eating your tires, man? <laughs> Remember how those devils would bite Clarita? In the Philippines, when that's, those spirits left that house at the mention of the blood, they had such a conniption fit. They had such an anger. They were so angry that they were rejected from their home. They gnawed upon her four tires and there were teeth marks and gnaw marks and all those tires had to replace the tires. And, and the Lord said, don't worry, honey, that, son, they, that, that devil was just having a, a temper tantrum, but he won't be back. Benny Hinn's pastor Maxwell White, who lived in Toronto, had a ranch in Arizona, big ranch, many, many hundreds of acres. His children were there alone. He was in Toronto. And the devil spoke to him one day and said, I'm sending three rabid wolves to kill your children. When you get there tomorrow, they'll be dead. And he taught a lot on the blood. In fact, that's where Benny Hinn learned it, was from his pastor. And he started applying the blood of Jesus to that property. 
When you talk about the blood, you're talking about the covenant that God cut through Jesus. Life is in the blood. When you talk about the blood, you're talking about the very life force of the Trinity. He said, I apply a bloodline around the property, around all I own on every side. He flew down the next day, got into his four by four little, little thingy, car thingy. You know, what do you call those? ATVs. And there was no fence, but there were fence posts all the way around the hundreds of acres that marked his fence, his property from the other property. And as he got, he, he started just driving around the edge of the property. And sure enough, he comes and he finds a wolf right on the line, dead. Wow. He picks it up and throws it in the back little, little thingy in the trailer. He keeps going. He finds a second one. He throws it in the back. He keeps going. He finds a third one, Pastor Jay. He takes it to the vet. He said, I want you to analyze the blood. The vet calls him back a few days later and says, sir, very strange. All three of these wolves were rabid. Oh, sure. The devil was telling a measure of the truth. He did send three rabid wolves. The blood of Jesus is very tangible and very real. When you apply it, it works. When he applied the blood around that property, your eyes can't see it, but in the realm of the spirit, there's a force field there. And when those wolves crossed that line, the angel of the Lord smote them and they dropped dead. And I'm talking physically. Don't tell me the blood of Jesus isn't powerful. Don't tell me the blood of Jesus can't deliver you from danger. Don't tell me a meditation on the blood of Jesus can't heal your sickness, can cause you to prosper. But let me, let me end with this. What does Revelations 12, 11 say? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word, the word, the word of their testimony. They testified, they confessed. In other words, you could also say they applied. When you testify and confess and apply the blood, an overcoming power goes into operation because we overcome him by the blood and what the blood has made us to be and by testifying of the blood. If, listen, I'm, everything, if you didn't listen to anything, then listen right now, please. Everything comes down to this second. If you don't talk about the blood, if you don't show honor and magnify the blood. If you never think about the blood, if you never talk about the blood except the one Sunday a month when you have communion at church, you will suffer in what the blood can accomplish for you. You must learn to think about it and be cognizant of that blood covenant every day of your life. This is what Brother Copeland was trying to get into us. This is not just a subject like any other subject of the Bible. This is the foundation of who we are. This is how he has acquired and achieved what he has acquired and achieved because he, he has a divine revelation that he is one with his joint heir, Jesus. Yes. That the blood has provided things for him and he talks about it. Not just when he preaches, he lives it. He talks about it. Hallelujah. Can I give you a quote by Dad Hagen? This is what he said. People will have less issues if they'd magnify the blood more. Can I give you a quote by Kenneth Copeland? We need to begin developing a consciousness of Jesus' blood. A consciousness of our blood covenant with God. Now watch this. When the devil comes against you, 
When sickness and disease comes against you, when fear, worry, harm, or poverty comes against you, remember the covenant and remember the blood. That we must come back to these basics. This is not very hard, but it's basic, but it's powerful. We must develop a consciousness of the blood of Jesus and a consciousness of our blood covenant with God. So that when the enemy comes, we remember the covenant and we apply the blood. Hallelujah. That Hagen tells of a story of an African pastor that was bitten by a scorpion. There was no cure at that time. If you were bitten, you died. And he, she said, I apply the blood. And the whole village was watching for her to die. And she walked back to the church and the whole village followed her, expecting her to fall over dead. And she gets into the little church and they all gather and she preaches to them the salvation message. They couldn't believe the power of the scorpion could not overcome the power of her God. And what did she do? She was saying, I give heed to the covenant. I pay attention to the blood covenant. Right now, danger has come. Life-threatening situations have come. But because of who I am in Christ, wrought by the blood of Jesus and my magnification of that blood, I speak about it. I show honor for it. Remember, Dad Hagen said, if you magnify it more, if you magnify it more, if you magnify the blood regularly, make much of the blood. Speak about the blood. Not just when you're at church religiously. When you wake up, Lord, I thank you for the blood. Thank you for my covenant. Lord, you regard me today because I'm in covenant with you. I apply the blood to my home, to my property, to my children. You don't have to get religious with how you phrase it. But the point is you are thinking about it. Because if you magnify it, it will work for you better. If you've got a problem in your liver, start saying, Lord, I apply the blood to my liver. The life of God is working in my liver. If you've got joint problems, I apply the blood to my joints. The life of God is working in my joints. I'm telling you this works. This works. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. I am so grateful that Brother Copeland came and shared these wonderful truths from us about the blood covenant. And I would encourage all of us, myself included, to really not let that go. To study it and to live it. And to make much of the blood. Make much of the blood. I think there's a reason why the devil attacks the subject so much. Why so many Christians are ignorant of the subject. Because if you understand that you are in covenant with God Almighty through the blood of Jesus and all of that that entails, my God, it puts your whole footing different. Everything seems to, you look at life through a different lens. I was sitting in my study the day before we left to come to California and I heard the Holy Ghost say, apply the blood. Now, my wife is the only one pastor that's not in the house. She's out shopping. All the other four boys are with me. So I checked my spirit if there was a danger about my wife. And there was no danger. So I dismissed the instruction of the spirit because I thought, well, you're saying apply the blood, but I don't need to apply the blood because I've checked and everything's fine. So I didn't. A couple hours later, my little four-year-old is playing in his room. You know those shelving units that are in metal shelving units that are in the closets. One of the end pieces, the cap had been discarded and there was a jagged piece of steel sharp as a razor. And he's playing the fool in the closet and falls on that jagged piece and slices a slice open in his leg. And (laughs) 
when I saw that, I know what, what needs stitches and what doesn't need stitches. And that thing, need, I had to push his skin back together just to put a bandage on it. But we prayed and within four hours, God healed him. Supernaturally. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you don't need to check your spirit, son, when I tell you to do something. I am the spirit. If I tell you to apply the blood, you don't have to check if there's a danger sign somewhere. You do what I tell you. I repent, Lord. I'm sorry. And my mind tripped me up. So a few hours pass and I'm sitting in my office working and I heard the Holy Ghost say, apply the blood. Oh my God, I applied the blood and I start going at it. I start going at it, everything. Lord, because what am I doing? I'm accessing the benefits of my covenant, my covenant of protection, my covenant of healing, my covenant of prosperity. At that moment, it was for protection. And I applied the blood. And sure enough, my son comes home. Daddy, you won't believe what happened. There was a drunk driver that went through the red light and missed them by a matter of inches right where my 14-year-old, if he had hit that side, he would have probably been killed. The guy was going so fast. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, see, son, when I tell you to do something, obey me. Because the life of God covered that car. When devils and sickness and... <laughs> Remember Exodus 12, 13? The blood shall be to you for a sign upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you. When I see the blood upon the lintel and the doorposts of the houses where you are, I will not allow the destroyer to enter into your property to smite you. Verse 23. Sickness and demons are stayed where the blood is applied. Tragedy, trauma will stop where the blood is applied. Body parts will be recreated where the blood is applied. Joblessness and poverty will start to turn when the blood is about. Don't just think the blood is protection. The blood is everything that your covenant offers you, including healing. I'm, I make much of it, Father. I magnify it. I speak of it often. I apply it. I worship you for it. I sing songs about it. Lord, your blood that you wrought and cut with your son that I have entered into, it accomplishes everything I need in my life. I make much of it and I magnify it and I show reverence for it and I show honor for it and I do it every day and you'll see things will start to turn. Hallelujah. 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 Heavenly Father, you know every person here tonight that is sick. You know exactly how long they've had it, what body part is affected. You know the turmoil, the turmoil and torment and hardship that it's brought into their life because of it. And Lord Jesus, you cut covenant with your father and you shed your blood so that their sickness would be healed. If they can understand that this is not just something that they're asking you for, this is their divine right. They have a divine right to healing as much as they have a divine right to salvation. They have a divine right to prosperity as much as they have a divine right to healing. They have a divine right to protection as much as they have a divine right for salvation. Every one of these benefits are covered by that mighty blood that was shed at Calvary's tree. Lord, I pray that they would turn their attention right now toward the covenant that God cut through Jesus that they would see their sickness on Jesus, that they would not consider their body for this moment, but they would look at their sickness on him, that if they have headaches, that they would picture it on him. If they have blood disease, they would picture it on him. If they have tumors, they would picture it on him.
that they would see that you, Lord Jesus, carried their sickness and bore their infirmities. That, Lord, they would look at it on you and consider not their body, but consider him who hung upon that tree. That because you took it, they don't have to take it today. Because you bore it, they have a right to claim their healing. Because the blood was shed, the price for their sickness has been abundantly provided. And all they have to do tonight is say, Lord Jesus, I magnify the blood. I magnify the covenant. I magnify what Jesus paid for. I magnify the healing. And I take it now by faith. I reach out and I take it now by faith. It's mine. I take it now. Your blood, the life force of God will restore health to me tonight. I won't leave this property the way I came in. I leave with the blood of Jesus having worked a miracle for me. If you would reach out with simple faith, you will see God will meet you tonight. And every disease and every trauma will be, will be done away with the blood of Jesus. will remove it from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. We make much of it tonight. We magnify it. We honor and reverence that blood and that covenant of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pastor, I don't know how you want to proceed with this, so I'll give the service back to you for, for however you want the people to be ministered to for healing. We give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing with me, if you would, to your feet. Let's just lift up our hands and lift up our voices. And let's thank the Father for the great price that he paid. And Jesus, the great price he paid in honor of that blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing. Hallelujah. 
if you are here tonight and you want hands laid on you for healing, in this section over here, if you would, raise your hand. Let us see your hand. Raise it high for me, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Raise it high. Hallelujah. If you would, go ahead and come over to this aisle and line up. This section, come over to this aisle and line up. Hallelujah. This section over here, if you say you want hands laid on you for healing, raise your hands high. Let me see. Hallelujah. Come over here and line up in this aisle, if you would, please. Praise the Lord. This section right here, if you say you want hands laid on you for healing, raise your hands up, please. Hallelujah. If you would, come over to this side and, and line up over here to my left and your right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Craig, if you would come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead, please. In the name of Jesus, be healed. 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 In the name of Jesus, be healed.
I say, behold in Jesus' name. I say, behold in Jesus' name by the blood of Jesus. say behold there it goes into you my sister it's working the blood of Jesus is working it's working it's working my brother it's working in Jesus name be healed be healed in Jesus name be healed my there it is in Jesus name there it is my shtaka I feel that go into you my sister that means it's working in you the entering of the anointing equals healing it's working in you right now in Jesus mighty name I say behold in Jesus name be free and be healed Jesus name I break the power of that and I command it to cease by the power of the blood by the power of the blood in Jesus mighty name by he, by his blood I say healing be your portion in Jesus name healing healing be your portion in the name of Jesus I say healing be your portion healing be your portion in the name of Jesus I say healing be your portion in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus that blood is working for you. That blood is working for you. That life is flowing in your body right now. You take it by faith in your soul. The manifestation will follow. I thank you for in Jesus' mighty name. Mama, in the name of Jesus, be healed in Jesus' name. I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed in Jesus' name. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, be healed in the name. There it is in you. I say, be healed. There it is in you. I say, be healed. There it is in you, brother. The blood of Jesus be against that. I thank you, Father. Be healed in the name of Jesus. My sister, be healed in Jesus' name. I say, my sister, be healed by the blood.
Jesus. That anointing. There it is. In Jesus' name. Healing. Healing, my little brother. And there it is. Healing, my sister. There it is. I feel that go into you. That healing power is working. In Jesus' name. Mashtahati. In this material. I commend it in Jesus' name. We lay hands upon the sick. They shall recover. Mashtahati. In Jesus' name, Mama, by saying, be healed in the name of Jesus. I say, strengthen your legs. I say, strengthen your legs by the blood of Jesus. When you're ready, you just jump up out of that thing. You just stand up by faith and you'll see the life of the blood will bring strength to you. In Jesus' name, I say, behold. I say, behold, my sister, behold. In Jesus' name. I say, be healed, my little brother, in Jesus' name. I say, be healed, my little brother, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. When you're ready, Mama, you just stand on up. I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Be set free in Jesus' name. Right now, healing power of God, go in Jesus' name. Set them free now. tonight I give you praise was it just one in the name of Jesus I thank you father was it one for you sweetheart was it one or two one is one one or two sweetheart one one or two five three that gives me strength amen thank you my brother father in the name of Jesus I say behold and be healed of that the power Jesus course through her father and cleanse and make well in Jesus mighty name I thank you the power of the blood in Jesus name I say be healed the power of the blood in Jesus name my brother I say be healed in Jesus mighty name hallelujah praise you Lord Jesus praise you Lord hallelujah
against that sickness. I curse it from its root. And I say, brother, be healed by the power of the blood in Jesus' name. It courses through your body and it brings life in Jesus' name. I say it's done in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up our hands and worship him tonight. Jesus, we thank you. You're such a wonderful healer. You're such a wonderful healer. You're such a wonderful healer. And we thank you that that blood, that that blood, that that blood has made us whole. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We are so grateful. It is so good to be whole. It is so good to be whole. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice to him. Tell him, we glorify you, Jesus. We thank 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 you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Craig, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. I would encourage you, get on YouTube or go out and buy the CDs, the DVDs. Watch again, Brother Copeland. Watch again this, especially keep it going because I tell you, there's so much in it. There's so much yet to be authored in us and finished in us about it. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not a light thing when God is, God is emphasizing these things to us in, the, in a conference setting because he's wanting to set the tone for where, what you do when you leave here. Amen. So don't just treat it like another service. He is setting the tone for us of what we're going to need to progress and go further. Amen. And if we don't take what he offers us, we won't go as far as he's intending for us to go. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when you have a first grade book, all you can go through is first grade. To go to second grade, you have to go to a second grade book. And it's the same thing. God offers us more because that's where we're headed. And so we can't just lay down what he's offering us just because the service is over. Amen. He's offering us what we're going to need to progress into this era further. It's not enough that Brother Copeland knows it. It's not enough that he's skillful in delivering it. He brings it so we can be skillful. And this is what we started with. And the Holy Ghost told me to uh, say this in introducing Brother Copeland on Friday night. And he had me to tell when Jesus appeared to my husband and, and fire shot out of his eyes and said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. Remember, I said specifically Jesus was talking to Ed about the healing anointing, but generally he was talking about skill. How many of you say we need to be skillful in our revelation of the covenant and of the blood? Skillful. Not just, oh, I know about that, I've heard that, but skillful. And we're only skillful when we do it. 
Skill isn't, isn't something that's on paper. It's something that's in action in the doing. Amen. Skillful in our covenant. Hallelujah. I remember uh, two, two trips ago when we went to uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. We boarded the plane in LAX. And as soon as we sat down and we were taking off on, that, uh, on, the, on the taxiway, uh, up from my spirit came these words, the blood will carry you there. And I thought, hmm, he's never said that to me before. What are we going to encounter? And it wasn't enough that he said it. I said it. The blood will carry us there. And uh, we landed in... uh, we landed in Moscow. We landed at, there were two airports in Moscow. We landed at the one we weren't supposed to land at. And when we got there, they said, we just flew through the hundred year storm, meaning the worst in a hundred years. We didn't even feel that, we didn't even know we were in it because the blood carried us there. Amen. And it feels different when, uh, when you're being transported by the power that's in the blood. Life is different when we live it in the power of the blood. Thank you, Pastor Craig. That was... Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you know these kinds of things don't just send you home blessed, but they send you home with weaponry and with, with, with knowledge and, I mean, ah! Amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, My son said it this morning, but I want to say it again. All the World Harvest Church, that you have done so much to put this week together. It starts months before, and we so appreciate you. You don't know it, but our congregation has been taking a second offering every Sunday just for this for months, and they've been preparing financially. They've been preparing in every way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And to my staff, thank you, thank you, thank you. I so love and appreciate all the supply that you bring. And uh, because of that, what, could, what happened tonight could be facilitated. Amen. And so know that your part matters. And we acknowledge that. We, 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 we appreciate that. All the ministers who came in and you brought a supply, it matters when you're present. Because it makes a draw on the anointing in a whole nother way. And it matters. And not only that, what is given here, you're able to take back home and it goes further than just what happened in this building. So I encourage you, take what was going on this week and what the Holy Ghost was emphasizing and feed it to your congregation. God doesn't just bring us this so we can hear it once in a sermon here. He's giving you something to take back to your people and feed. And it does, and you don't have to say, Brother Copeland said it. You don't have to say, Pastor Nancy said it, or Pastor Anderson said it, or Craig Field, or whoever said it. It's, not a, it's what the Holy Ghost was giving us. Amen. Don't be, don't be timid about preaching a sermon that the Holy Ghost gave you through someone else. As long as the Holy Ghost gave it, it's worth repeating. Amen. So go home and repeat it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so good to be free. It's so good to be healed. It's so good. It's so good to live the best life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, turn around to somebody before you're dismissed tonight and say this. I'm kept by the blood.
and you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.